Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad to see everybody here today. It's good to uh, share this time of worship and fellowship with one another, and we are glad to do that with you. We welcome you all. We welcome our guests especially. Uh, You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here, and I hope that you'll feel very much a part of our uh, family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and to fill those out so we could have a record of your attendance with us and pass it on down the aisle. If you could do that, we would certainly appreciate it. Just put your name and address and phone number on there and check the appropriate box, and, and we would certainly appreciate that. I have a, a few announcements uh, uh, that I'd like to call to your attention this morning. First of all, on... Uh, July the 30th, we will be serving lunch at the Salvation Army, and this is something that we do from time to time, and we're looking for volunteers to to help with that. So if you would like to help with that important ministry, uh, then please see Sybil. There's there's Sybil right there. See Sybil uh, Keach, and she will sign you up to volunteer to serve at the Salvation Army. Also, on the next day, on July the 31st, our our children's ministry is uh, sponsoring a... uh, Children's and Family Picnic and Water Day, Water Games. So bring your bathing suit or some clothes that you don't mind getting wet, and uh, and it will be a fun time for everyone. That's on July the 31st, right after worship service. Uh, we will not, uh, your church bulletin says we, we, we will be having our worship team uh, meeting today. We will not be having our worship team meeting today. Of course, uh, Christine Cornelius is the the leader of our worship team, and uh, she just lost her father um, a uh, couple of days ago, and um, and so we we will not be having our worship team, uh, and we grieve the loss of Phil Wagner. He was a great uh, part of our church and a great man, and we grieve his loss. Um, and his funeral will be his memorial service will be tomorrow here at the church at two o'clock. Now that brings us something that we need to some help with today. Uh, we, w- we need a little help after the worship service setting up some tables and chairs over here for our uh, bereavement lunch that will take place after the, wor- after the uh, uh, memorial service. So if, uh, if you could help out by uh, helping us put up some tables and chairs right after the service, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, also, we'll... Um, Call to your attention the notice there about the CBC hoops and cheers. Uh, we're kind of moving away from our upward uh, uh, collaboration and, and uh, under their sponsorship. Uh, 
mainly because of expenses. They, they were kind of pricing us, uh, pricing a lot of people out of participation in our basketball and cheerleading program. And so we're kind of venturing out on our own this year and calling it uh, CBC Hoops and Cheers. Uh, but we still need your, vo- uh, your time to volunteer to help with this. This is a very important ministry here at Community Baptist Church. And you know, it's more than just basketball, and it's more than just cheerleading. It is, it is establishing relationships with people uh, from all over, and people recognize you. I just rec- ran into someone um, uh, just a couple of days ago, and I looked at her, I said, I know you, and she said, I know you, and she was a she was a basketball mom, you know, and and uh, and we struck up a conversation and and have that relationship. So this is important. It's an important ministry and it's important for our church. So uh, please be thinking about what you can do uh, to volunteer for our CBC Hoops and Cheers program this year. Let us stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's share the love of Christ with one another. Let's join and sing. Two oh three.
We want to thank Heather McCormick for filling in today and leading us in, in our music. So thank you, Heather, for being here and sharing your, your time and your talents with us. Please pray with me. Lord, if these people sitting before me today are anything like I am, God bless them. They need your special blessing today because they are busy and stressed and worn to a frazzle. And if we see one more list of things to do, we think we might scream. We make list after list, and as we strike several things from our list, we look back to it and discover that we have added twice as much as we have struck. And the old adage is certainly true. The hurrieder I get, the behinder I am. Our lives just seem to be a whirlwind of activity. But what we have forgotten, O oh Lord, is to place your presence in our lives. All of these activities that consume our lives may bring us temporary satisfaction. And I must admit that it feels good to strike through something on my to-do list. But ultimately, it is you who brings us hope and peace. It is you who remind us that we are the ones who have created our hectic schedules. And we have no one but ourselves to blame for our crazy lives. So God, slow us down a little bit. Bring us again to those moments in which we are not running through our lists of obligations, but are sitting at your feet, listening to your words of life, and wondering, what does this mean for me? Probably one of the lists that these people before me have is a prayer list, and they are dutifully, and they dutifully, dutifully bring the names of people and and the needs of people near and dear into your presence. And that's a beautiful thing. But remind us, O oh God, that we also stand in need of your healing love. Help us to focus on you and, to, and the gift of your beloved Son, Jesus. Help us to take a big breath and to exhale slowly letting the anxiety and the stress leave our frazzled bodies. Fill our lives with your peace as we try to get some control over our time. And let us come before you, O oh God, and rest. Amen. Let's sing this familiar song.
Am I on? Okay. Hey guys, how are you today? You could have sat up there. I'm sorry, my stuff was in the way. But just know that you can throw my stuff down if you need to, okay? So I have a question for you guys. And I know you all are really smart, I can tell. I don't know some of you. I know you, too. I don't know you guys yet. I know this kid. Question for you. Where is God? Ha! Smart kid are you? Hey, what's your name? What is it? Dylan. I'm Katie. Nice to meet you. So I was kind of thinking today, I was going to talk to you guys about how how God is within us and how we can show that to each other. So there's this part of the Bible that talks about how we need to speak honey to one another. Who is familiar with that? You can raise your hand. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think that means? What is, have, you, have you guys ever tasted honey? Yeah? What's that taste like? Yes. Sweet. Sweet. It is tasty. It's nice, isn't it? And it's supposed to be really good for, like, building immunity so you don't get allergies and things like that. Anyhow. So what does that mean when... God says for us to speak honey to one another. He wants us to be sweet to each other, right? So I'm telling you guys this morning, you guys are all wonderful, beautiful kids, and I'm really excited to get to work with you today because I know we're going to have a lot of fun. And I'm super excited to see you this morning. I know sometimes you're tired on Sunday, but that's okay. How does that make you feel when somebody speaks honey to you? Can anybody give me an example of where you said something nice to somebody? Oh, that's so sweet. Hey, that's awesome. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. You're such a smart kid. I really appreciate that. Hey, you guys, and you know, if you think about it, Sometimes we want to, we don't, we don't want to speak honey to each other, right? Sometimes we want to say, get out of my way. You know, when I'm driving, sometimes I get annoyed at people and I want to honk at them and yell at them. That's human nature, right? We're not perfect. True. (laughs) See, so I'm not the only one, right? Sometimes maybe if we get hurt by a friend, we want to say something to them that's kind of ugly, like, oh, you're you're a butthead or, you know, something like that, right? (laughs) Right? Who's who's done that before? Yes. Right? We say ugly things to people. We do, right? But the thing is, it's true. We say ugly things to people. It happens. But the thing is, is that when we remember God and we remember how God wants us to speak to each other, I think that can help us out. What do you guys think? And today we're going to write letters to people. Um, We're going to pick somebody in our life or somebody that we think maybe is not very popular. We're going to write them some nice things. And give it to them, okay? So today I was kind of thinking of um, something new for when we pray together. I was thinking maybe I could, I could do the prayer, so I'll say something and you just repeat it back. But it's not going to be a whole lot, because I, I know I don't have a good memory, so I can't remember more than like three words at once. So do you guys, are you guys okay with that? Okay, you guys ready to pray? All right, so I'm going to say a line and you're going to repeat, okay? Heavenly Father. Help us to speak honey this week. Even when we don't want to. 
because we know that's what, how you speak to us and how you love us. Sorry, let's back it up. Because we know that's how you love us. Huh. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Score. come today and give thanks for the life of Phil Wagner, for the love he gave this church, and for the love this church gave his family. We ask that you strengthen us as we carry out into the community your mission for us, and we ask that you bless these tithes and offerings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.
morning. I'll be reading from the scripture Luke 10:38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. I never hear that scripture without thinking about Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> I know you thought it, didn't you? <laughs> there was a religious survey that asked uh, people that uh, the question, do you believe in the second coming of Christ? And if the respondent said yes, a second question was asked. What would you do if you knew Jesus was coming today? And one young man replied, Look busy, man. Look busy. Well, isn't that the mindset of our age? It seems that most of us build our lives on the premise that personal worth, our personal worth and our our meaning in life is dependent upon how busy we are. Too often we are identified by what we produce and what we achieve in life. Psychologists and sociologists and psychiatrists and others who study the ways of humankind describe us as a driven people. We are a driven people. And one of our our primary characteristics is that we are under a tremendous amount of stress in our lives. We are tyrannized by fear. Fear of failure. Fear that we will not achieve. Fear that we will not stack up to what other people expect of us. And add to that the confusion, our confusion about who we are and, and, uh, and our uncertainty about where we are going in life. And you end up with a stressed out people. We are a stressed out people. And honestly, I believe that all of that puts a tremendous strain on the relationships that we have. The staggering divorce rate, the distrust that characterizes relationships, and the growing climate of violence in our world, they are all consequences of this stressed out life that we live. Burnout has become a term that everybody is familiar with these days. We see people all around us collapsing into the numbness and, uh, and into addiction. And if it's not addiction to drugs or alcohol, it's addiction to television and pleasure and the, the rat race of just getting ahead. And it's no wonder that a recent poll showed that an overwhelming majority of people from all walks of life, when asked what they wanted most out of life, They replied, peace of mind. They want peace of mind. We want 
peace of mind. And so we come to this story from Luke of the probably the two best known sisters in the Bible, Mary and Martha. It seems that these two sisters, Mary and Martha, along with their brother Lazarus, have a household in Bethany. And at some point in Jesus' ministry, he and his disciples came to, to Mary and Martha's house, and they stayed with them for a while. We don't know exactly how, how long, but he, he, uh, they stayed with, with Mary and Martha, Martha and Lazarus for a while. Well, when they got there, when they arrived and kind of settled in, Martha was busy with all of the things that hostesses have to do. She was cleaning and cooking and baking and attending to all of the needs of her guests. While Mary, on the other hand, did not lift a finger to help her. She just sat there at Jesus' feet and hung on every word that he had to say. Now, reading this story through our 21st century lenses, we might find ourselves somewhat disappointed in Mary for being so unconcerned about all the hard work that Martha was doing and not lifting a finger to help. And we would probably think that she was being somewhat inconsiderate, maybe rude to her sister. But listen to this, folks. If we... If we had been a first century Palestinian Jew and heard this story or seen this taking place, we, have, we would have seen Mary's behavior as much more than just an annoyance. Because you see, it was more of a breach of a cornerstone of good society. For you see, in the Middle East... In ancient times, and to some degree even today, and it's, it's still there in the Middle East today, but in the in, Middle East and ancient times, there was an unbreakable law of hospitality. When you brought someone into your home, you had a moral obligation to provi- provide for them whatever they needed, even if that meant depriving yourself. And if you think about it, you'll understand why. Because if you consider what it was like to live in such a harsh environment as uh, of the ancient Middle East, you would realize that, that this law of hospitality was developed out of the reality that travelers were always in danger. They were always in danger. They didn't have nice paved highways like we have today. They didn't have call boxes every mile or so. They were always in danger. And sometimes they were in danger from bandits. They didn't have cell phones in those. I know. They didn't have cell phones in those days. You remember when you didn't have cell phones? How do we get along? Just fine. (laughs) Somehow we made it. But sometimes these travelers were in danger from bandits, thieves that would, would knock them in the head and steal everything they had like we talked about last week with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Sometimes they were in danger from these kinds of things, but they were always in danger from the elements, from the heat, from lack of water, 
from fatigue, from walking everywhere that they went for hours and hours and hours, from dehydration, from hunger. And, if, and, and, and so if you think about it, if you were a traveler in those days, you were engaged in an activity that was treacherous all the time. You never knew what might happen to you. And so the act of taking a traveler into your house implied a readiness to provide for all that traveler's needs because those needs were often a matter of life and death. And so in the Middle East, in the first century, you simply did not have someone into your home and fail to provide for, for every courtesy for them. In fact, it was not just a matter of courtesy. It was a It was the law of society. And so Martha was busy doing what she was supposed to be doing. She was doing what was expected of her, not just out of hospitality. She was doing what was demanded of her by one of the deepest and most profound and most binding customs of her time. And so with that in mind, Mary's frivolous attitude toward this law of hospitality would have been scandalous. That's the story. So what do we learn from it? Well, first of all, there is a confirmation here in the New Testament that people have different temperaments. Different people have different temperaments. You ever notice that? You notice that people aren't like you? Sometimes that gets a little frustrating, doesn't it? Mary and Martha have different temperaments. They were different people. They were, at, they were temperamentally poles apart. And those temperaments at this, especially in a situation like this, began to clash. Martha was that frenetic, get things done, organizing type of person. You know who you are. Mary was reflective and quiet. You know who you are. What she wanted to do more than anything else was to sit at Jesus' feet and listen. And you know, I'm not so sure that we pay enough attention to this in our families, and in our other relationships. We don't even give it enough attention in church, I believe. It it doesn't take much to recognize the fact that, that some people are just naturally dynamos of, of activity and energy, while other people are more inclined to quietness. And isn't it true that within the church... We expect everybody to fit the same mold. Sometimes we do. We talk about people being go-getters. And and when the nominating committee is selecting the leadership of the church, there's always that big question. More often than not, the committee is tempted to select someone who is inclined to hyperactivity. But we need to realize that not all people have the same temperament. 
And, and the reason that's so important in the church is that there is no right or wrong way to serve God. God didn't make us all alike. Thank goodness. I was a, a, I recall a radio uh, Christian financial guy that uh, around Atlanta years ago, and he used to always say that if a, a, a husband and wife were just alike, then one of them is unnecessary. <laughs> God didn't make us all alike. And we're all different from one another. And we serve God in different ways. In some churches, couples who are planning to, to marry are required to attend an all-day workshop as a part of their premarital preparation. And, and in one church, a, a part of the workshop involves taking the Myers-Briggs personality inventory, which is basically a temperament test. Some of you have probably taken this. How many of you have taken the Myers-Briggs? Yeah, I, I see those hands. We'll, we'll discuss what you are later. Um, <laughs> but, but this personality inventory, Myers-Briggs personality inventory, it is, it's incredibly accurate. Accurate, it, And it reveals dimensions of our personality and how we perceive things and how we process information and respond to the world. Whether we are an extrovert or an introvert, whether our intuition or sensing is dominant, whether we are highly structured and judging or whether we are more flexible in our perception of things. And whether our decisions are made based on our, our minds or our hearts. Personally, I'm an ENFP. That's how they, they put letters to things. They, I am an ENFP, which means that I am an extrovert who is intuitive with deep feelings and a strong sense of perception. And I know it sounds like a horoscope, but the description that, that it gives of my personality type says that I am enthusiastic, creative, spontaneous, optimistic, supportive, playful, and that I value inspiration, enjoy starting new projects, and see the potential in others. Most of that's pretty accurate, I think. Well, uh, the, you know, I started by saying that, that couples that were get, preparing to get married, sometimes in, in, in this particular church, were required to take the, the Myers-Briggs inventory. And it's amazing what couples discover about each other when they take that test. And if they, use, if they will use that information as they build their life together in their marriage, their marriage will be richer and more rewarding for it because nothing is more important in a relationship than to accept the fact that each person is different and that there's nothing bad about being different. God created us all the way we are. Each one of us is a unique miracle of God. And so in telling this story, Luke is affirming that people have different temperaments. But no matter what our temperament may be, our purpose in life remains the same. To love God and to enjoy God forever and to love our fellow human beings. 
Now let's consider a second lesson from our story today. And that is that it is easy for us to be distracted from the center. To do what is good while neglecting what is the best. Look at Martha. We've already indicated that she was fulfilling her obligations with great gusto. And what she was doing was absolutely right in terms of the, of the deepest and most profound and most binding customs of her day. But don't you think she would have enjoyed sitting and listening to Jesus teach as well? Sure she would. But there was a meal to prepare. She had to do it. She had to get there. Jesus and his disciples had to be fed. And we can't really condemn Martha and people like her. In fact, if it weren't for people like her, there's a, not much would get done in this world. But there's a warning here. There's a tyranny here that we don't often recognize. And it is the tyranny of the immediate. All of us know it, if we just think about it a little. True confession here, I'm guilty of this myself. And here it is. Most of us are driven to do what needs to be done immediately. Without giving a lot of thought to the overall situation. I have often said that my life is a life of triage. My to-do list is so long that I cannot get everything done. It is impossible, and so I'm, I am captive to what is most immediate, and the rest of it rolls over to tomorrow's to-do list. And in doing that, I may ignore some things that are very important. Jesus taught about taught us about that in another situation. He challenged the Pharisees because they had lost all sense of proportion between one duty and another. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke eleven forty two. He said, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds and neglect justice and the love of God. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Do you see what's happening here? These Pharisees had taken the letter of the law to extreme lengths. And in doing so, they had violated the purpose and the spirit of the law. Now, of course, they should tithe. But to extend that law to the nth degree, to tithe that mint plant that I have in my backyard... Or the rue or whatever rue is. I mean, I'm not even sure what it is. But to, to do that, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. The law of tithing needed to be kept, but in keeping it, don't forget that there is an even higher law. Which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so Jesus' word to Martha is also a warning to us that we can be distracted from the center, doing what is good while at the same time neglecting what is best. 
And we can become victims of the tyranny of the immediate demands that we are faced with and we overlook the overall picture. And that leads to the final lesson from our story today. And this is the main point of the sermon, folks. So if you hadn't been listening, listen now. (coughs) Here it is. All of us need to find the time to let our souls catch up with our bodies. Now, what does that mean? Someone once observed that most of the time we are so anxious to do something that we neglect to be someone. And while doing is important, so is just being. The world of getting things done is vital. The world of achievements and hard work and goals reached and tasks completed, of obligations assumed and honored. These are vital things, but the world of being is just as vital. The world of quietly listening and resonating with our inner feelings the world of coming close to others, the world of meditation and prayer, the world of of watching a sunrise or a sunset and, and seeing things in the world as though it was the first time. The world of reflection and encounter. The world of laughter and fun. The world of wonder and awe. But that can't happen if we don't take the time to let our souls catch up with these frenetic bodies that we have. Have you ever noticed how some people always seem to be invading other people's space? That ever happened to you? People, you know, they always get a little bit too close and you find yourself backing away. Dr. Daryl Peterson was commissioned by NASA to study the human need for personal space in order to, t- to determine what effects the cramped conditions of a, of a spaceship might have on astronauts. And his study showed that strangers don't like to get any closer than 14 to 17 inches apart from one another. And for most people, a comfortable distance is, is even greater than that. Now, I say this to make the point that not only do we need margins of space around our bodies to be comfortable, but we also need some inner space and silence around our souls. We need a place. We need a time. We need to allow our souls to catch up with our bodies. Stress is one of the number one killers in the world today. I don't, I don't need to recite all of the figures to you. You've, you've heard them. The data is very clear. There is no killer disease that is, that is not either caused by or intensified by our levels of stress. And so we need to find the place and we need to find the time to allow our souls to catch up to our bodies. It's important, folks. It's important. One pastor 
shared a story about a visit that he made one afternoon to a member of his congregation who was living in a convalescent home. Her name was Annie. Annie was looking out of the window of her room, and when he came in, she said, Preacher, come over here and look at these birds out on the patio. When he stepped over to join her at the window, she said, You know, when I was a little girl on the farm one Sunday morning, my father called me to get ready for church. And I was watching some, bo- some, some birds outside of the parlor window. And I said, Papa, I wish I could be like those birds and fly away when I want to. I don't want to go to church today. And she said, my Papa knelt down beside me and said, Annie, there will come a time when you will want to go to church and you will not be able to. And then you will realize why it's so important. And then Annie turned to me and said with tears in her eyes, Today's one of those days, preacher. Today's one of those days. My friends, we need to let our souls catch up with our bodies. And worship is one of the ways that we can do that. Gathering with God's people each Sunday to praise God together. Daily times of prayer and scripture reading. Deliberate retreats, occasions during the year when you intentionally set aside a weekend for a conference or a, or a retreat time. When, at times when you focus your minds and your hearts on the, the things of God and the things that really matter. Being a part of a Sunday school class. Just sharing with other Christians. And sometimes just being together. Mary and Martha teach us so many things. But I believe that these three lessons are so very important. We need to honor the fact that different people have different temperaments. We're not the same. And we serve God in different ways. And we shouldn't get frustrated at somebody who serves God differently than we do. Secondly, it is so easy for us to be distracted from the center, to do what is, good, what is good and to neglect what is the best. And finally, all of us must find the time and the place to let our souls catch up with our bodies. Slow down. Smell the roses. Take the time. To rest in the Lord, my friends. Just breathe in the Spirit of God. Sit at Jesus' feet for a while. And just listen. You'll be glad you did. Amen. Let's sing together. Jesus, how I love you, number 230. Sing all three verses. You know, Jesus really really cares for us, really wants the very best for us. And I think Jesus looks down at our uh, frenetic lives and probably just shakes his head. Oh, gosh, there they go again. (laughs) Here's an opportunity for us to say, Jesus, I love you. I hear you, man. Help me. Help me.
Help me let my body, my spirit catch up with my body. Let's sing together. All three verses. Offer us a time of reflection and rest. Help us, O oh God, to take advantage of every opportunity to sit with you. Calm us. Give us your peace. Refresh us, O oh God, and keep us close to you that we may be closer to one another because of your perfect love. Amen.
Thank you. 
Love and God. Love. 